0: and this is the Talkative Laotian podcast. Today is the debut episode of my very first podcast and today um, I have a guest star, a co-star actually, co-host and her name is Allie. Introduce yourself, Allie. My name is Allie. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Yes! Okay, so just a background for this podcast, the reason why I wanted to start something like this is because there's a lot of misconceptions that are construed in Laotian culture and not only Laotian culture, Laotian American culture. I feel like a lot of people have different um, ideas of what it is like to be Laotian American because they kind of group us in with all the other Asians growing up in America, but our experiences are definitely different. Um, yeah. So the whole preface behind this podcast is definitely to dive into the idea and concepts of Asianness in terms of being Southeast Asian in a Western world. Um, and definitely our overall experiences. Hopefully, I'll, we'll bring in more guest speakers so that we can get different perspectives of what it's like to be Laotian-American. All right. Um, speaking of being Laotian-American, we'll introduce ourselves since we're going to be the main
1: people speaking on this podcast. Um, so wanna go ahead? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm Allie, I'm 21, so I'm doing college. And being in college is actually part of my identity at the moment, actually a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like both of us can relate on the fact that before college, it was like kind of hyped up, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. especially not just like parent expectation, but um, parent expectation, was in combination with school Mm -hmm. and how they really expected a lot out of us definitely 100% I think I uh,
0: a lot of Asian Americans I can't speak for them but a lot of people in our small community in Kings Mountain they shared the same um, feelings towards the pressure of like growing up and having to go to college and so um, going on a little bit more personal um, right now I'm a I'm a current student at UNC Chapel Hill. I am applied to be in the Hussman School of Journalism, so I'm double majoring in political science and journalism right now. I know it's scary. It's crazy. (laughs) I know, so I wanted to take this initiative to talk more about my experiences because I feel like with political like culture it's Um, more of what happens up at, like, a governmental level, like a national level, but a lot of stuff happens at a very local level, and it just builds up. So it's like a snowball effect, basically. Oh, yeah. Um, That's a different day. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's Uh for for another episode. (laughs) But, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's a little bit heavier. But definitely I relate heavily on the idea that you had to go to college, not necessarily because education was so um, heavily valued in... Our community is just that both of our parents were immigrants, you know, Um, they immigrated here. Mine immigrated in like the 1970s, 1980s. Is that same for you? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the idea that for your parents' sacrifices, you have to make it seem worth it. Um, And what they think is worth it is Uh, the amount of success that you have when you get older. But in my opinion, I think success is very subjective.
1: It is. Yes. And it's them believing that their life was trash. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, it is. Okay. (laughs) Like, okay, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We're Laotian, Mm -hmm. right? Our parents immigrated from Laos. Okay, why did they immigrate? We know why they immigrated. We knew for our whole lives why they immigrated. Mm -hmm. The Vietnam War. Yeah. This is um Richard Nixon type stuff. Yeah, that was him, right? Yeah, or was it Ronald Reagan? I think it was. Ri- oh shoot! You're poli side. Oh shoot! Oh no! <laughs> I will say it
0: it was one Rich- of them.
1: <laughs> 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 cut! Cut! <laughs> no, um, but but it's, it doesn't matter what president yeah. it was. It was. It's more like the fact that they came from literally a war torn mm-hmm. country. That was such a big movement, not just mm-hmm. there, but over here. Um, and that that's what made us. Had had my parents not moved from or came from that war-torn country, I literally would not exist. I don't think I'd exist either. Exactly. I don't even know if my parents... Um,
0: I'm pretty sure they lived in different, like, providences or cities. In right. world, so my parents wouldn't even known each other. And they didn't move here. So it's so crazy how these, like, different... Uh, Branches or, like, different events led to, like... I'm sitting here now. Yeah, this podcast.
1: podcast. Yes. But, yes, that's the the life that they came from. Mm -hmm. And because they were basically disadvantaged from the beginning, even immigrating here on what what we called, or what the Americas called, the American Dream, Mm -hmm. they weren't given that. They weren't given the American Dream. Mm -hmm. The most they could do out of the American Dream was have a nuclear family. And even that was so, like... Brittle, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, family issues. We know plenty of that. Mm-hmm. And to them, it was like, oh, if they could just have a better job than me. Mm-hmm. And what America told them is that having a higher education is the best way to go. Yes, yes. But I definitely did
0: see that the higher education funding into the whole college system in general we're all victims
1: of the college oh, yeah. system we know what don't even is. let me get, get into <laughs> that no, no no but this is important right exactly that's why i'm saying like college is such a big part of my identity right mm-hmm. now i already faced the sort of pressure that my school had on mm-hmm. me and my parents now that i'm by myself and isolated with all of those feelings and how they treated us um i start to realize the the system that abused them is abusing me me now. Mm -hmm. Sure, my parents never went to college. I don't know if that's the same case for you, Mm -hmm. but like um, they don't know just how harsh it is, how how far it runs, Mm -hmm. right? Like the reason it's so like advertised and normalized to go straight to college Mm -hmm. after graduating high school, you're 18. Like you're going straight into adulthood. Some people aren't even 18 when you sign the contract Mm -hmm. to get a loan and go into and like it's just so normalized. And I'm sure my parents were kind of, you know, persuaded into that sort of agreement too, like monetarily Mm -hmm. loans or promise of work and money in return. And I could tell you, my parents have been scammed so many times. Yes. And now I'm in the biggest scam of my life. Colleagues! (laughs) Colleagues!
0: I definitely, now that I'm looking back into it, we were so, so young when we go into these agreements. Yes. I remember when, like, just signing up for loans and just understanding the whole idea of, like, what it means to have a loan and like you know you you don't know what it is. You just in your mind you're like, oh, it's money that I'm gonna pay back later. Like they don't know <laughs> the in between. Like you're like, oh it's fine, I'll pay back later when you have a job. They make it as simple as possible. Exactly. But they don't show you that your loans are all connected and to your yeah like to your credit scores, which will affect you getting like, you know, cars and apartments litter like, they are literally tagging you with these yes. things. But they don't tell you, but they make you do it so early in, like, life. Yes. Um, yes, And exactly. it's just, it's crazy, though, because I feel like that education of, like, that knowledge of what to do if you're signing it for a loan. Like, how to do it smartly and how to do things... Um, Correctly and as strategically as possible. So you don't harm yourself later in life. It's not taught to us (laughs) No, it's not
1: and that is definitely definitely on purpose Mm -hmm. because okay, I Being at this big school NCSU Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
1: I have met a lot of transfer students that come from places like the UK and they tell me what their um, school system is like she gets Like money from the government for just being a student and Mm -hmm. it's not a loan Mm -hmm. it's just you know guaranteed to her because education is supposed to be accessible and it's supposed to be free Mm -hmm. basically and i'm just like wow they don't even have to pull out a loan Mm -hmm. she's told me that after they finish university they have like an assessment with someone, a government official, about whether they can afford the education or Mm -hmm. not. And if you could afford the education, then yeah, you'll pay for it. But if you can't, it's as easy as don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's coming from her. um, But we know like being 18 we're like oh man oh my god FAFSA yes <laughs> oh, oh my gosh oh
0: my gosh I have stressed about that so many times and it's what's crazy though this is another thing this is another layer of obstacles that a lot of layers Americans face is that our parents don't know that stuff yes. We they didn't yes. have that stuff when they were going they um a lot of financial aid came from like they I'm, I'm assuming they did have like government help with it um And most of that, they, like my family, they did have a lot of government help, just like, you know, welfare systems and different things. Getting started in America, Mm -hmm. uh, my parents went to somewhat of small colleges, so it's not like big. uh, Like a community or like a techno? techno? Somewhat like a technology. I think my dad actually went to like a tech school up in Connecticut. So, yeah. And my mom went more, I think she went to community or she went to like a small local college, which is... um, Which is, you know, they it got the education that they needed in order to jumpstart their work. Um, and basically, yeah know, their you yeah, know, their work life in America. And that was enough for them. I think that there's been like a increase in pressure of the different job choices that you have. And along with that is the more steps you have to take to get into those jobs. I think that uh-huh. now, like yeah. if they try to get into those jobs now, it would be 100% like way harder, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, like if I, uh, my, my dad, luckily he's an, uh, he was a entrepreneur, so he's self-employed. He jumps out his own company, but I think that it would be way harder to jumpstart it now, especially with the different legal uh, steps that you have to go through and just all these different obstacles. It's just definitely harder to do so here. And I think that's the whole like generational gap between like me and my parents. Yeah. And just like, you know, it's harder for us college students now, especially I'm, I mean I'm first gen for my family Mm -hmm. um but definitely being born like in the early 2000s and rising Mm -hmm. around that area um a lot of parents you know they don't have the best English skills they don't have the best like knowledge of like um governmental forms or programs such as FAFSA they 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 kind of expect you to do it yourself or Um, the older sibling like phenomenon I guess you could call it yeah so we're both uh just for like like we're both uh older siblings in our family so I think that was a huge like immense pressure of being able to guide like you know the family and be like oh make sure you do this for no like make sure you (laughs) walk him
1: through it when there was no one who walked me through it which is crazy no yeah and especially being firstborn is already a lot of pressure but being the oldest sister Mm mm-hmm There's even more pressure. Oh my gosh. Because we're supposed to be like maternal or something. Mm -hmm. But I could feel myself being more a dad to my Mm -hmm. brother. Luckily, my brother didn't need to do no FAFSA stuff. Because he went to like unconventional school. Mm -hmm. As he should. Um, Because this this system really is a scam. Yeah, I think that um, one thing that I think
0: our parents can't i think my parents have gotten better with it um after me and my brother like had a talk with them is that when we were younger they were so caught up on the idea that we had to go to college we had to go to a good college get good education make good grades and it wasn't necessarily giving us enough wiggle room or freedom to if like freely express ourselves you know yeah um so they sure. always had the idea that we were going to be doctors or like I remember yeah, that. yeah it was doctors and nurses that was like <laughs> the brother.
1: golden your brother yeah. as a doctor i cannot like no. <laughs>
0: it was the one thing that yeah. like everyone like looked for like oh you have to be like a nurse or a doctor or do something like this and especially <laughs> if we had like older like cousins um, and stuff who we going into the medical field they like compared us like look at your comparing. older cousin yeah they're like look at like they're she's already like you know Top doctor in the country, or something like I didn't that. They always make those stuff. But I'm 12. I'm literally like 11. I can't, I, exactly. don't, know what that is. I don't even understand that. I do not even understand that. I can't stuff. pronounce that word. I don't know what a profession is. Exactly. It's just like that huge. I actually really wanted to go into the medical field up until like, I'd say high school. Because I think Good. I was caught up into that, like, mentality. Like, my parents are saying, you have to go into the medical school. Yeah. And work for the hospitals and stuff like that. Um, and so you can take care. This is another thing. The reason why they wanted to do it is so you can take care of them when they're older. So it's, like, basically free health care. Because yeah. we're, we're literally their health care. <laughs> <Like,
1: laughs> <laughs> I understand that they're trying to, like, secure a future. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's also a future to secure for not just you, but themselves. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Like, I know that it doesn't come from a bad place. But um, it just feels kind of selfish mm-hmm. from them. Because it doesn't feel like they see you as your own person and that you would have your own goals. As long as they continued from a young age to persuade you that being a doctor is like the best thing. Mm-hmm. You you probably would have launched yourself into that and not felt... Right. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. I wouldn't have felt like I was meant for this. I just oh, felt like I was yeah. following the footsteps
0: of my parents, which I think it was, like, a growing thing for me. Like, mm-hmm. we... Um, I guess we can also specify, like, our desired
1: occupations. So, I you want to go first, or I can go? Um, well, I didn't actually talk about what I'm, like, majoring in. Mm-hmm. I did... I'm, I've been to, like, two universities technically Mm -hmm. my first one was at a culinary school and I finished the two years there and then at this NCSU I'm doing food science with Mm -hmm. a minor in horticulture Mm -hmm. because I want to work with with food and bettering the environment and yada yada Mm -hmm. you know stuff like that
0: yeah which is very very important because that's what I talked about, <laughs> and I can go into the whole farmers' crisis, but we're not talking about this. This podcast. I love the farmers' crisis. I can talk about I that. that. I love that. And those, and that is not a very conventional like occupation in our no. culture. They. I can't like,
1: explain what that means yeah. to my parents. Like when they when I was going to culinary school, they didn't get that at all. Yeah. I it's I went to culinary school because. My whole life, I felt like a very artful person. Mm-hmm. Explaining things with just words is is really hard, like on on the spot. Mm-hmm. If I could just sit down and really think of like in an abstract way and just convey it in 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 conventional ways, like maybe an art piece or writing mm-hmm. something like a vignette or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's it just made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, So I went to culinary school because I could eat my work. That's That's true. That's that's, true. That's why I would do it. And I don't regret going there Mm -hmm. despite how expensive it was. Um, I feel like it'll be fine in the end. Money's not real. I (laughs) go to NCSU now to um, shape around culinary arts and to food science and horticulture so that I can make things more sustainable, basically. Mm -hmm. Because the food industry trash absolutely garbage mm-hmm. and we need again like we need people who
0: are local and need to go in like it it again it's just a snowball effect like you can't yeah. just jump straight into government and say fix this no they don't, don't even listen to, yeah they don't even listen you go into it by your profession we have people who are specialists in that field and they go in like making little changes to systems like these like um like the food you know? Oof.
1: <laughs> uh, there's so much bad about mm-hmm. the food industry. Going into food science, to food science, I learned so much about how powerful the food industry is. But it's not the how do you say it? the golden occupation
0: in like our culture it's always no. you have to be something medical field or you have to do like teaching or you have to go into like ceo lawyer stuff like that something that's very high paying and like oh. big businesses which is uh, another thing it's like <laughs> it's just i don't really i don't think it, no. it matters um, going back to what i said earlier about success is subjective a lot of people in laotian culture think that if you have a lot of money you are successful and I don't believe that's true. I think that no, no. there's different levels of success, of success and I think for me, what success is, is being able to have stability in my life, no matter if it's like yeah. income stability, um, like family stability, whatever it is, yes. like just being able to have um, stability and it like they, I'm pretty sure my parents and a lot of older um, Laotian people in my uh, community, they probably think that to be Successful. You have to have this big house. You have to have a huge family. You know, Ooh, a husband. The Gucci bag. Yeah, Versace. you have to. Yeah, Versace. Kate, have Spade. To, Kate Spade too. You already have to be set. Like, have your cars. So you have to have a good husband. For some reason, it's always a husband. It's
1: always a, a kid, husband. Always a husband. Yeah, sure. Or the fact that you have to get married. At yeah, all.
0: you have to get married, and you have to have like kids, and <gasps> it's just. <laughs> and that's Gross. another thing that I found like so interesting about our culture, like not our culture, our community is that like a lot of um like our general expectation is that you have to do these certain things and in but in like you know despite all the pressure they put on it um i've been speaking to a lot of laotians our age and a little bit older than us it's crazy though because of that pressure it causes them to do the opposite they don't want kids they don't want to get married like they look forward to more independent culture because i think laotians are pretty collective Um, Yeah, most Southeast Asian countries are collective or just um, I would say Eastern Asian countries are collective, too. But when you go to America, it's a little bit more independent um, culturally. Um, Like you mean like
1: small groups of them? Is that what you mean? Mm,
0: I think with Laotians, we always had a big family culture um yeah so there was there was less idea of independence so if like something happens oh, you know like yeah, it's yeah. your blood even if it's not your blood like they're your family yeah they're your
1: yeah. aunt they're your uncle yeah
0: I always every single <laughs> uh I, I don't know if this is disrespectful but this is what we do as kids every single like old person we call them like our grandma or grandpa despite <laughs> if there's any blood relation between us yeah, yeah that's what we <laughs> do too Yes, it's um and just having that strong family bond but sometimes it can backfire of course so if anything happens like you know, you have to respect them. You know. Yes, exactly. And it's just the idea that you can't cut off family members. Oh, it sounds yeah. like a frat. Yeah, almost a frat. Like Your relationships su- like are you're, frats. <laughs> you're
1: swore you're swearing yourself yeah. into like a group of people, and no matter what down the line, mm-hmm. you have to help whoever was yeah. in the same frat as you.
0: Yes, and it's another thing. Like parents think that if they do wrong to you, you'll still take care of them. Oh, and you older. have to forgive them. You have to forgive them. <laughs> you have to like take care of them when they're older, but if they don't understand that new generations don't believe that because it's not true. Like there's no obligation to do, it. I'm sure there's like some cultural uh, community obligations to do it uh, within Laotian like culture. But here in America, there's no laws that say you have to do it and or you have to do this and that. Um, so I think that's one of the differences of growing up in America versus growing up
1: in Laos. And I don't know,
0: it's just a big
1: idea it's, that's not talked about enough. <laughs> it's um it's that idea of collectivism Mm -hmm. I remember learning that in psychology uh the difference in uh like an American or a Western civilization and an Eastern one I don't know why those are the only two hemispheres Mm -hmm. but um there's an individualist society and then a collectivist society and usually the example for a collectivist society is an Asian one Mm -hmm. and it's do you, do you remember that? Yeah, always. It was always, like, um,
0: Asian countries. I don't. Um, I don't, honestly don't know if, like, they use any other countries. That's probably why I use, like, Asian countries. I mean, we're also Asian, so it makes <laughs> sense for us. But every single time I learned that in school, it was
1: always... Uh, Japan was a big one. Yes. And I, I see, like, I kind of get it, but uh, I don't understand just how complexive those ideas can be. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and the differences... Because living in America, experiencing the collectivist nature of the Laotian community, you know, their expectations and how you owe people this or that just because they're in the same community, that, yada, yada. I see that in in America too, Mm -hmm. but it's more of like a class sort of thing, Yeah. right? Like you want to like kiss up to your boss, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you have to do whatever he wants you to do. It's like a power thing. That
0: is true. It's for us, it's family because we can't disrespect elders despite how they treat younger generations. Yeah. But for in America, it's definitely you can't disrespect people of higher authority, such as power like, and your money. boss, your manager, stuff like that, power and money. So I think that's a very interesting, like, insight. Like, just analyzing, like, the difference and how it is being, like, layish and American. Like, there's yes. two different worlds that you have to fight with. And honestly, um, I fear, like, not being... Because I get told... I don't know if I get told this a lot, but I definitely feel this pressure of... Like not being Laotian enough, if that makes sense.
1: Oh yeah, I I speak a little bit of Laotian because mm-hmm. my mom doesn't speak English very mm-hmm. well. So it's just enough to communicate with mm-hmm. her. But I was at a friend's house and her mom, who's also Laotian, she, she like turned around from making something and she was like, you sound like a mountain man when you <laughs> talk. It's, it's funny, yeah, because I was like, well, I guess my yeah. dad was from the mountains, and I'm learning Laos from him, and my yeah. mom, but it's like, it, basically, I just didn't, I, was, I just sounded funny. Yeah. I I think you talked about this before, yeah. where when we, we're kind of scared to speak Laos yes, as kids, yes. because they would laugh at you, mm-hmm. the older, and I know it's just like a joke thing, but... It's enough to deter a child from doing something.
0: Hundred percent. And it's so crazy though that they, um, if like going in back to psychology, there is a, um, the I think at the age of twelve is the cutoff of where like language just kind of sticks naturally. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's easier for kids to learn languages and pick them up because it's also they're learning like their own vocabulary, so it sticks yeah. easier. So, um it's crazy though because I was actually deterred from learning Laos at that age and so it's, it yeah. makes me really sad because it's way harder to learn languages now because there's so much more effort you had to put into it um, yeah but every single time I spoke Lao, my parents would always be like you know it sounds funny I don't understand you and they would laugh after me speaking and I'm like okay well then I won't speak but then later they're like how come you don't speak loud? like you <laughs> go back to your you. roots and I'm like because
1: you made fun of me every single time I did it like oh, I can't man, help yeah. it Exactly. That's Mm -hmm. enough for my my dad to, like, delegitimize what I know about Mm -hmm. Laos. I clearly have this memory of asking my dad, like, what is communism? Yeah. I asked my dad what that was, and I was I maybe, like, 11 or 12. Yeah. He was opening the fridge, and he was like, you know, communism or whatever. (laughs) And I was like, communism? Are you saying comedy? Like, do you mean comedy? (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, you'll learn when you're older. Oh. Teach me now. Exactly. <laughs> I'm asking about it now. That's, I was because that's mm-hmm. the word that you... Like, the key word that you hear about Laos and why it's war-torn or whatever, yeah. right? Like, the war on communism, basically. Mm-hmm. And But I know so much about um, what happened in Vietnam and how the Laotians were caught in the middle of a war mm-hmm. that wasn't directly about them mm-hmm. and kind of, like, belittles my knowledge. Which is crazy, though, because we're in
0: the generation of the most impactful. Like we're growing into these professions to where we can actually spread this information and do these certain things. Like aka doing this podcast, like being able to show like what our perspectives are and even spread the because a lot of like law history is done orally, I think, in my opinion, they're passed yeah, like, down orally because it not, is yeah. There's not a very um. There's not a lot of law authors or um, historians, if anything. All of it is, like, textbook and somewhat whitewashed. So, you know, like, they cover all the yes. the, the cultural aspects of it, but there's no deep down, um, like, narratives or personal stories. Yeah, and it doesn't go yeah. as far as, like, what ancient China had done yeah. like with documentation. It's hard to do that because everything was just it was just different yeah it was just different during that time you most things were passed on orally and nothing was necessarily written down unless you came to like you know america and you spread that um those stories to like older generations but there's not a lot
1: of like resources for that yeah that stuff the the war situation and the colonization of the french deeply affected what any if any documentation existed in laos Like, it kind of just went away. Mm -hmm. Um, War could have, like, burned it all away. Uh, I know, like, whenever some of... You ever did, like, ancestry tracing? Um, I haven't yet,
0: but I heard, like, the process about
1: it. It's terribly difficult. Terribly.
0: I just... It's so hard to do because there's no, like... There's no records
1: of it. No. There's zero records of it. None. No. Because I had to ask my dad and then his oldest brother about, like, their their dad not their grandpa yeah their dad and they couldn't tell me anything about him yes exactly it's just
0: so hard because like honestly you could walk by another law person you could be related to them and not know it because there's oh, no yeah. it records I know. Of it.
1: exactly we could be we could be related dude <laughs> <laughs> oh, i found god. out i was part chinese oh my god this is so difficult I, <laughs> I found out i was part chinese because my my dad was like oh yeah my dad was chinese he came from china because he's my dad is, like, from uh, northern Laos. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, huh? Like, he always, like, made jokes about Chinese people like he wasn't Chinese. Yeah. And That's another thing. Like, the oh. Asian <laughs> racism. <laughs> <and> <like, laughs> oh, my I gosh. Know. There's so many topics that we need to talk about. It's
0: funny. It's funny. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's just, like, different things. It's just, like, I don't know what the word is specifically. But, like, the the judgment and the hatred towards other Asians is ooh, it's so weird knowing that I mean, like you know it's um, it makes sense historically it's colorism yeah it's got a lot of it has to do with colorism and if you guys don't know um if there's non-Laotians or people who are watching or listening to be informed Laotians um they don't they I guess they necessarily like aren't seen as like um how do you say, like, Eastern Asian, you know, yeah. they don't follow, like, Eastern Asian beauty, yeah, beauty standards. Standard. Yeah, exactly. um, they they uh, don't
1: even look Eastern Asian mm-hmm. for, for the most part, right? So it's
0: uh, a lot of people assume that I am not,
1: like, you know, Asian enough because I don't look Eastern Within Asian. Within the yeah. Asian community, exactly. Mm-hmm. But, like, if we went to, like, Kings Mountain again, high school, it's so easy to point us out. Yeah, exactly. We're if just they, Asian. We're just Asian. There's no, a lot, I remember, this was so traumatizing
0: for me. It's just, it's just like, oh, no we grew up in like a very Southern area. So a lot of people there are very ignorant sometimes. And I was sitting in the middle (laughs) like, yeah, all the time. Sorry, not sometimes all the time. I was sitting in the middle, like these really redneck guys. And they were just like, they sat around me in the auditorium. I was just minding my business. And they were just, uh, they turned all turned to me. I was like, so what are you? I I was like, excuse me. Okay. Sorry. It
1: was
0: traumatizing. It was traumatizing. But I was just like, what does that mean? Like, they're like what well, are you like your race like are you you're asian right and I'm like yeah i'm asian they're like then speak japanese i'm like i'm not japanese <laughs> i can't speak that <sighs> he was like well how do you say hello in your language i like, said and he was like so you're Chinese. I'm like, I'm not Chinese either. And he was like, so what are you? I'm like, I'm Laotian. He was like, Laotian, what is that? I was like, "It's I'm um, my parents were from Laos and that is in Southeast Asia where Thailand and Vietnam and, you know, like they, yeah. they just couldn't like point it out and they were just like being overall racist of course they would go back to like so do you guys eat cats and dogs I was like this is so uncomfortable like that stuff is what like i had to hear all the time yeah, and, like
1: why is that it's not even funny like, yeah they I were just this. all laughing and i was
0: like this is so uncomfortable like please someone take Ugh, me out of there and they're like dude, yeah and they were like trying to like simple words like sub id like it's like not there's no there's i mean there is like hidden tone induction like You know, stuff like that. But it's not like Chinese. And they were trying to say it in a Chinese accent. And it was like super, super racist. And everything was just super uncomfortable. And I was just like, okay. But that was not like the only time that happened. You know, there's people who came. And like, you know, (laughs) people were like following me when I was in middle school. Like, they would like make their eyes like squinty and just like, oh, can I get some like orange chicken or something like that? I'm like, I what are you doing like you're just you know acting a fool like i just oh my God. stuff like that was that's just why i'm horrible. violent yeah that's why i'm violent yeah like stuff like that like i don't want these kids that grow up before us like or grow up after us i guess i don't know like the younger generations to face that sort of racism
1: i think that oh, man um, i feel like they assimilate mm-hmm. a lot easier than we do well, i i don't know I'm, I'm trying to say like i think it's easier to be white you for think so? them mm yeah, it is. I mean, of course like anime is like popular and whatever, but even anime can get a lot of things wrong. Yeah. I and he thinks that's think cultural, like sticking
0: to their roots as much as they yeah, used I, to. It's not as...
1: Like, our culture is not as interesting to yeah. them
0: as, like, TikTok is. I guess you can, like, describe it as being more Western. Like, everything's being more Westernized. And that's kind of scary, though, because a lot of kids are being raised on Western media and, like, kids are being yeah. wa- raised on, like, TikTok. And it's, like... We Ooh. had a conversation about this earlier, how a lot of kids, the parents, don't know how to necessarily, like, parent them, so they let... Like, you know, they give them their devices. That's the whole... Um, how do you say it? that's where the stereotype of ipad kids came from like yeah these kids are on their ipads because their parents don't want to like you know if they if try tired, them, yeah watch them or they're tired them. of raising them they'll yes. just be like okay get in your ipad and go watch cocomelon or something yeah. like that. <laughs> like it's not actually like you know sitting with them under like helping them explain the things that go on around them like i would have loved if my parents sat down with me and explained why these people were doing these things and like how to face them instead like i had to do it myself and learn like you know this it wasn't
1: just regular bullying. Like they were just being they were oh, being racist. You they know? were just yeah exactly plain ignorant because they weren't. The thing is, like, whenever you point out this criticism mm-hmm. about other people asking about our identity, the reason we don't take it like a regular question is because they don't mean to have a meaningful conversation out of that. Mm-hmm. Generally, no. They mm-hmm. they they just want to um, isolate us yeah. from their in group stuff. You know, like, clearly, we're not white. Mm-hmm. We know this. I, I've been known. <laughs> I've been known I'm different. I'm a little different. Yeah. All right, I'm a little quirky. Yeah, okay, little whatever. Quirky. And did you hear, like, watch, I don't know if
0: it was a school in Washington, the university, they <laughs> Asians as white. I'm like, okay, if we're white, then we wouldn't have gotten bullied like this when we were younger. Like, if, oh my God. like, I don't think white people get asked, like, do you eat cats or dogs? Like, I don't think that stuff happens to them. Like, I don't think white people get chased around school with their, uh, like, by people who are, like, pulling their eyelids back. Like, I don't think that's, no. like, no that's happened to them um I mean unless you're mixed with
1: like you know unless you're
0: mixed but if you are like these things don't happen to people like that not necessarily Asian because you know that's those stereotypes come from racism from like against Asians and yeah. I just think that is crazy how we're getting grouped like because we were still technically people of color like we're minorities and we're yes. getting grouped with people like who aren't minorities just because again the model like minority myth yeah like, all that stuff just because they think that asian excellence and asian success overrides all the trauma like generational trauma and just like the experiences that we have as asians and it's crazy
1: <laughs> yeah and there we are we're talking about colleges again mm-hmm. right um the washington university i don't know what university it was but i remember reading the um title mm-hmm. of the article. And looking more into it about why they would ever identify Asians as white. And it's due to our income. Mm-hmm. But there's, when we were talking about um, inter Asian racism and colorism, mm-hmm. they're grouping Laotians with East Asians. Mm-hmm. that's why they would categorize us as white. There's a lot of implications with that title. That's a whole There's like, a lot of implications. Oh by categorizing Asians as white due to their income, it's saying that white people are just privileged and mm-hmm. that they're rich. That's mm-hmm. what that implied, mm-hmm. that whole process. But Southeast Asians are much more disadvantaged, like, you know, less privileged than East Asians with, you know, all of that, beauty and the way that they're praised and yada yada they get um they do have like
0: i definitely think they have a, pl- a privilege at um like media corporations like they have a huge yes. entertainment industry mm-hmm. lost does not have a huge entertainment industry no. they're starting to now they're starting to but it's the minimal like starting at base yeah While everyone's already ahead of the game like that's another thing that they have an advantage yes at. um i just think another thing to add is laotians are one of the like, I think they're one of the lowest um income like for
1: income all, like, yes yeah. yeah annual income is is not the best and neither is graduation yeah right mm-hmm. despite that being a university that categorizes all Asians as white mm-hmm. that's that's why that is enraging
0: that is so crazy though because um if you look at like different ethnic groups like or ethnic groups and ethnicities down in like Southeast Asia. Uh, laotians like um people who are among they have very very low higher education um levels than the rest of asia and it's crazy that we're being grouped into it it makes it harder for us so if they see the title because you have to put your ethnicity um or like your race it's not even ethnicity it's race it's just asian they'll see it and they'll you're just another number I guess like to your their diversity like charts and everything and it's yeah that works. like my experiences are separate from the rest of my peers like I want to like I want to be treated as such like not just thrown into like a whole thing like a category basically of Asian I know and then my worth is
1: basically like you know determined by that and see, that's that's part of our identity as mm-hmm. college students. We see how they objectify us. Mm-hmm. Because higher education is more than just college.
0: Yeah, there's different, uh, like, higher education. So many avenues. Yeah, there's exactly. so many avenues that I would like to um, present. Like, you can go, like, me, even if you go to community, like, which is cheaper than going to these oh, huge colleges, yeah. um, you could still probably be even more, like, quote-unquote, successful in, like, you know, our parents yeah. turn more with successes um, than people who are going into, like, these big schools. It's honestly just, I think it's, like, a personal thing. Just being able to map out who you are as a person and,
1: like, yeah. find find your light. Like <laughs> Well, that's why I'm such a proponent of after graduating high school, when you can finally um, pluck yourself mm-hmm. from that environment, I'm such a proponent of... Taking like the year off, mm-hmm. maybe two years, mm-hmm. because because it's the best way that you can actually figure out what you want to do. They say go to community, take the general classes, see what you like. But it's it you could do the same without that. Yeah, you you can and and some people, a lot of people are not college people. Yeah, and
0: that's fair. I don't think that the that pressure of you have to be a college student. It's like to like everyone like if oh no yeah Yeah.
1: especially if you come out of high school not having the best GPA Mm -hmm. I I saw that if you start applying to college at say 23 or 22 Mm -hmm. the best part about that is you don't have an academic record to show yeah and the reason is being high school was so many years ago yeah you get to start as a as a like a blank slate and that's so good for people that Didn't have the best years in high school. There's so much going on in high school Mm -hmm. puberty, bullying, in group, out group, Mm -hmm. sort of stuff going on. People need that break between high school and pursuing higher education. They do. That's, it's just so normalized that we, I don't know, like I remember in senior year or junior year, they were already asking us to pick. Pick a university that we wanted yeah. to go to.
0: Yeah, they were getting... We have to get started that early. Not That's not even like... We don't have to get started until that early. But we had to get started before entering high school. And it's so crazy. What? Um, going into high school, like... They made us uh, really plan out. Like, if you don't plan when you go into freshman year, what colleges you're fighting for, like, all these Ugh. different things, it's so, so, so difficult to get into these colleges. UNC Chapel Hill is, like, uh, quote-unquote, it's prestige don't mean to slander my own university, but I'm going to slander my own university. They um, have lost their, like, prestige title. Once you actually are a UNC student, you can see, like, how it's all, like, a facade. Like, it's not, you know, it's just, like... That's always going to be the case. They bring up their, like, you know, their... how do you say their acceptance rate by <laughs> making people like apply more and then denying more people and yes, stuff like that. And that's the
1: unemployment status. Right yeah. Now. And
0: it's crazy though, because UNC is supposed to be like, um, especially here in North Carolina, all of our families thought that UNC was like the golden school, you know, The UNC or Duke was the golden school. Um, yeah. if you get into those schools, then you were like, you were smart enough. You were going to be a doctor. You're going to be like, blah, blah, blah. You're so successful, so rich, blah, blah, blah. And once you actually get there, I'm like, it's literally like any other college. Like we, you know, like people do drugs, people smoke, like they drink alcohol. Like every other college, it's not as prestige, like as it sounds. No, like, no. It's just a regular college with a title on it. And um, like I, the reason why I wanted to go to UNC in general was not because of the prestige, but they actually had a really good journalism school. Yeah. Um, so I thought... Like, but it's crazy though it's so hard to get into like UNC to even get to these schools mm-hmm. um, and like you had to start so early if you started after freshman year you probably wouldn't be able to get in because you had to take APs as soon as possible like Gosh. like they didn't offer it to freshmen until after I was done like and I was a sophomore but like you had to be able to take all these APs like all throughout Ugh. take all these college like dual enrollment courses you had to be able to have like a really good SAT score uh, ACT score
1: yeah you're right yeah
0: and like you had to be a really good writer and stuff like that I just forgot about that I was I, just like, I'm
1: actually a terrible writer which That's what I what think lot of so, p- yeah a lot of Teachers have told me that I'm a terrible writer or that I'm just not good enough. But you're really good, like, speaking-wise. So you have, like, an in, a lot
0: of information. So I think that's, like, so wrong that your whole entire life, <laughs> your, <laughs> your worth and your being is, like, determined. Standardized, Yeah, standardized into, like, a piece of paper with, like, a like, maybe, like, 600-word essay on it. And I, that's yeah. your shot into these colleges. Yes, and, exactly. Like, they don't take... They look at your your scores they look at your grades they'll look at your like you know they definitely take into account like your gender your um age your ethnicity race like all that information into like what they need for their colleges to meet their quotas um it's just i just wish there was more um transparency with the admission system but there's not because it's
1: rigged (laughs) it is rigged okay i I kind of hacked the system. <laughs> okay, because, like, okay, I went to a culinary school. Of course, they had some academics there. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you could call it, like, a university, I yeah. guess. And I, I mean, I guess I'm smart enough for culinary school because I graduated over there with, um, summa cum laude, mm-hmm. which is the highest thing you can get. Yeah. So that was on my transcript, and that's probably why I got it. Yeah, except, then, <laughs> like, even if you, like,
0: don't have, like, a lot of things under your belt, like, you could still, as long as you, it's really just working the admission system. It's not even about being a good, like, a, the best student. You know?
1: No, you see, I mean, you see articles about like celebrity um children, yeah, getting into university, and then and then people find out that it's because they paid the university yeah. to. Yeah, it's working that. the
0: system, like working admissions. Yeah, if you
1: have. That's why they ask, like, do you
0: have a sibling who goes to the school? Do you have um, yeah. a parent who's an alumni? Do, like, what's your income from the, like, your parents? Yeah, so, like, exactly. you can make generous donations after you graduate, stuff like that. Like, I'm just trying to get my degree. Like, I, right now, I'm trying to, like, it's so conflicting having to deal with, like, uh, you know, I hate these systems. I hate these college systems. But also, I benefit from these college systems. I think, and no, it sounds, like, hypocritical, like, um, like the things we said previously on this podcast and what we're saying now but I think it's really just redefining and re like just how do you say this um making college systems work for you instead of working for the college systems
1: yeah um it's kind of like when people say uh if you hate capitalism so much why are you living in it Mm -hmm. it's like I have no choice yeah and that's kind of what you're dealing with when you when you go against big powers like um, the college system I mean first of all if you're so in- insignificant why should it matter that you're trying your best to like shape yourself to f- be accepted by them because you know the criteria yeah and even if you don't fully fit it you know how to word it so that they do you know accept you I think like yeah especially like
0: okay if there's any younger generations who are wanting to apply to colleges this is really really important and I know this is like a somewhat con- like you know controversial but you really have to play the game of the system. Like there's, you can be like the best student, blah, 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 but you could still be denied by these colleges because they think like some people who have perfect SAT scores, a long list of accomplishment, top of their class, they apply to one of these top colleges and they get denied because they think that you're going to go to a better college. And that's so messed up. It doesn't like, even make sense. It doesn't even make sense, yeah. but it happens. Like there's people who are definitely qualified to get into these colleges, but they unfortunately like they were quote unquote too good for their college right. and they didn't yeah. want to bring down their admission like their acceptance rate you know or bring up their acceptance rate because they want that prestige title so they would deny them and those those students or those yeah. kids who are wanting to actually like those are their dream schools get denied because they don't um <laughs> they're like, too smart they're, they're too, too accomplished. they're too accomplished <laughs> and
1: it's it makes no sense it I'm actually like, doesn't why did they work their entire childhood yeah just for that point of disappointment yeah that doesn't make sense to me and that's another thing like not i
0: i am a. Uh, I unfortunately did this a lot. I put a lot of my self-worth on my college acceptance because that's what was wrapped in my mind. I cried so hard when I got waitlisted by UNC. Like that was my like dream school. And I thought that I would be able to get in if I worked hard enough. And then seeing that waitlist, like literally, like I thought it was the end of the world when it's really not. Um, It just takes forever for me to like realize that. Um, So I had like a, (laughs) you know, hopefully getting used to the backup plan. But in the summer, I eventually got off the waitlist and it was
1: so much to go through yeah exactly but, but that's what I of course you felt so sensitive mm-hmm. to it like society had built up that moment for you mm-hmm. and I was just like when
0: I got that waitlist, it hurt because I thought that was going to be it and that was your value yeah that as, was my as value a person in like the educational system and people like my parents weren't understanding why I was crying so hard like it's just like you got denied just move on like go to another college like just transfer so-and-so years later and I was like, it's so I know, funny but like i like built this like idea that if i didn't get into this college i'm never gonna get a job like you know stuff like that like i've
1: and they're the same people mm-hmm. that built that idea onto you too mm-hmm. it's so funny that they would just switch it up like yeah that. i just i just didn't want to i'm i think starting like my
0: freshman year to sophomore year of college which is like right now i think i like realized i'm not gonna be a victim of the system anymore like i'm not gonna just be played by like college systems not going to be played by older generations telling me what to do like i'm going to take this initiative and i'm going to make them work for me if that makes sense like just not playing victim to like all the scams and you're taking advantage yeah taking advantage of that system that's trying to take advantage of us and i
1: think yes because that's that's the point Mm -hmm. they they will diversify how whatever they're putting the our money into Mm -hmm. but they'll still make profit off of it even if they're giving us the adobe programs Mm -hmm. or the discounts for on, on apple products because most people aren't using those discounts or those products like we have wasted the money that they charged us
0: yeah and it's it's funny itemized list they they say it's like free and everything that it's covered but it's covered by our tuition so so we already pay for it so exactly it's like yeah it's if you're a unc student you get these things for free i'm like oh
1: you mean the things we
0: paid for in our tuition that's crazy let (laughs) me say this i found
1: this out okay at And CSU, there's this really nice place called the Tally Student Union Mm -hmm. where all the the students, they just gather there to maybe like study or um, grab a coffee, some food. It's kind of like a food court, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, apparently they remodeled it very recently in history. Um, In 2009 or 11 or 12, what happened was the U.S. Not the U.S. The government of... NCSU like the student government or the board the school board was trying to like make everyone vote for yes um, and agree to um, being charged more on their tuition so that they could pay for rebuilding the tally student union to make it you know more hip or whatever right Mm -hmm. most people voted no. And they did it anyway. It's so crazy. They overruled the yes. voting.
0: It's it's crazy because some of these things that we pay for, like if you actually go into the itemized list of your tuition, there's things that you pay like pay for and you don't even use like the athletic department i don't even go to games like i don't even oh i don't God, even no. like i yeah. came here for my education i didn't come here for games but the games make profit for the school so of course they're going to make students they're going to charge students so they can continue it and make more money and we get nothing out of it besides maybe oh. getting to go to games i they already even make
1: money yeah. as like a sports entertainment system anyway well, that's so weird i know and it's just like
0: I, I actually came, like, to the school with a purpose. Like, I wanted to go to the husband school of journalism. Like they, like, they are notably, like, one of the top in the nation. So, being able to have that education, I'm sure that there are other schools, too, that have that same one. So, I think noticing that I'm being played by the system and, like, yes. how I feel about it. I kind of feel Absolutely. conflicted, like, being into this and... I'm still paying the money, like tuition, like huge amounts of money for yes. resources I don't even use.
1: So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> are you um, already taking journalism classes and poli-sci classes? Yeah. So, so are how you... do you like the professors? Hmm. I think the professors are pretty good.
0: One thing that I don't like um, is when sometimes, I guess, like, you know, professors, they have to make money and everything. But when professors plug their own books into the course and that is the book that we have to buy and read for the course in order to get court like credit for the courses that we paid for already so and like the entire course is surrounded like around that book that they
1: wrote um i asked you that because um you he said you went to the school because of you know the way that the journalism sector is like renowned Mm -hmm. I just was wondering if you think it's even up to name or if maybe, like, it's only prestigious and there's nothing to it. Mm. And maybe you could have went to just a normal school and it still would have been the same. At the time that I was looking at these, um, like,
0: researching certain organization like media outlets, like New York Times or The Washington Post. I see. When interviewed, they said the top public universities they look at, one of them was UNC Chapel Hill. So I think that name... Like notability is still a thing, yeah, and so that's one of the things like and that I mean, it's a crazy price to put on that, which is like you know completely my like my fault, I guess is paying like I don't know forty thousand dollar tuition just to have u n c as my degree background, like you know, like it's just paying for the name, yeah, um, but I do have to say that after a while, like I did have doubts about going to the school because. I am paying so much money for the same education I could probably get at, like, you know, cheaper colleges. But then when I went into, like, the Hussman School of Journalism and taking media classes, I understood why um, the school was not necessarily prestige, but, like, had a huge, like, name in um, journalism in general is because they have a huge social network and that's the one thing that I went into is that they have a humongous social network like that's important yeah it's it's important because just like your own career like being able to know people a lot of alumni go into things like CNN and New York Times and Washington Post so you really have to know your people and I think that's one thing is playing their game like playing the game of
1: okay capitalism okay but, but how how long do you think you'll be playing this game for because like if I were a journalist because I thought about doing journalism I wouldn't want to be a part of like those big names because you know mm. they're I mean recently wasn't the Washington Post bought by jeff Bezos there's like, yeah there's like like difference. that's something that happens you mm-hmm. know it's it's about big money stuff and that's not what I'm for like I watch really cool journalism mm-hmm. independent journalism on on youtube that to me speaks more humanly because journalism should be is
0: humanly that yeah the media has like i definitely do agree that media and journalism has changed for the worse. it's so generalized yeah it's so it's just and also politicized i know i'm going into political science but oh my goodness you can't read one article without it being somewhat political and definitely objective there is very little that are actual factual and like if they are it's yeah it's somewhat swayed by opinion. And it's it's getting really hard to be together again, like, as a nation, because everything's just so polarizing. And I want to go in and, like, fix that.
1: Yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with being... To me, I don't think there's anything wrong with being political or emotional. It's about, like, your objective when you write things like that. Um, are you actually helping the people by making them feel like it's the end of the world when you write like this? Like, it, it's about what they call revolutionary optimism mm-hmm. that's what's so important about journalism to me i mean journalism should be neutral because journalism is objectively about capturing a moment mm-hmm. right and that's i don't know if you know what this channel is it's called channel five mm-hmm. on youtube i think i've seen them i think yeah Wait, how I explained mean, it. Oh, uh, this it's just this guy who wears like a suit all the time and he has a mic <laughs> and he just talked to like normal people. Yeah. Normal people like at conventions or events. He's went he went to like Florida Beach uh during like the height of the pandemic, like like a year ago. Yeah. People were partying despite yeah. that. And he went there to like talk to them. He had yeah. his like mask on and whatever you you see like the raw imagery of the kind of people that are there and he doesn't have to say anything because he document the people that are there it tells you the kind of people that are there yeah yeah you get to form like what this means that's what i that's what i appreciate about journalism mm-hmm. of course having the right words to say is in, is also a part of journalism but documentation you don't get that anymore he went another place that he went to was uh when they declared um uh, po- police officer Derek, uh something he was the one that put his knee on, yeah 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 he was there when they declared that he was found guilty mm-hmm. and he he put his mic to people that were voluntarily wanting to t- 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 talk about how they felt yes. about the the case and it was just so raw and and empowering because that's what journalism is you're giving voice to the people Mm -hmm. you're not the voice exactly exactly that's
0: another thing i like for things like vice and vox they do like do certain like documentary journalism that's what they do like narrative journalism i do like with mainstream um journalism everything is more like with like the term politicals uh, like politicized everything's more opinionated from their personal view. And um, if there's anything that is like uh people's life story. It's logistics. It's not actually people's personal life stories. everything yeah. is like or they're yeah. like somewhat translated into the the writer, the journalist's like uh, yeah phrasing and that it, it turns it throws it all off. Absolutely. Like, you know yeah, like you so can't right. have someone who doesn't understand that person's um background environment, their childhood, like what they grew up in and then having them try to speak for those people. Yeah. and it just completely yeah is incorrect and there's so many like <laughs> exactly false statements that are being said i think that's the only thing assumptions yeah like assumptions i just want people to speak as openly as possible because that's where you get like the root of emotions and like being able to like really understand like all the frustrations that happen in like in certain communities like you don't get that from um just pointing out like logistics and no, like saying different don't. things, it just doesn't see the work numbers. the same. Yeah, exactly. but you see the numbers and you're like shocked, but you don't really understand like how much it affects the people until you actually oh, yeah. talk to
1: them exactly. And that's what intersectionalism is. Mm-hmm. And without um over complicating, because intersectionalism is complex, you if you get to just capture one moment of that intersectionality, that's enough. Imagery for someone to understand, mm-hmm. and that's that's documentary journalism. That's what I love about it. Mm-hmm.
0: That's what um another thing with uh, like, I guess like taking control of the system instead of the system taking control of you. Like with UNC, one of the things like I know we talked about social networking. I love talking to people. <laughs> like yeah. I'm very talkative. Like even if I worked when I worked as a waitress, I just had such close customer connections like i'd remember them by name like i get to learn my customers just that's because amazing. each person has like their own story you know? exactly you don't get to find that like anywhere else you know it, yeah. it isn't and like being a waitress that's not very like you know like as that's a journalist like it's not like the best like um Ocupation. setting like yeah, yeah. occupation but it, like journalists don't doesn't think that you can get anything out of being a waitress you know like if you're a journalist yeah. you're probably like oh you can't find things at restaurant let's go into like the nitty-gritty of it let's go into straight controversial let's go like you know in the center of because it's easier it's easier it's faster it's like microwave
1: news you know yeah
0: but when you like if you're like working as a waitress you get to meet all these different people true and like you get these stories that you might not even get to hear like you don't even there's so many untold stories like um, no one of the things I do want to get into is being able to speak different languages because I think language barriers are like huge in media not being able because I mean as much as like minorities are talked about I feel like minority voices aren't really heard that much because of language barriers, too. Yeah, I know. Because media corporations are too scared to talk to, like, minorities face-to-face if they don't speak English. So you have a lot that's of, like, true. minority Americans, like, people born in America, but what about, like, immigrants or people who have, like, you know, they can't speak English through, really like, parents, it's like, grandparents, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's another thing. But, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So lastly, on this podcast, since we are reaching a bit of the um, or stretching this podcast out a little bit for the time, um, we are going to have like a small one on one with a lot of the younger generations that um, are hopefully listening to this podcast (laughs) that we'll see if anybody made it this far. But uh, as like to set kind of like not in an authority, but to acknowledge like our, you know, that like a knowledge on the subject. We are, you know, we're college students. I'm about to turn 20. Um, Um, So yeah, so it's just 21. We grew up past like the whole, you know, parental trauma. Like we are somewhat separated from our community right now since we're like, you know, in college. So uh, we do have like, I think we have
1: some knowledge. We are living in that, you know, in that system right now. We have like this a lot of time to ruminate on how things have affected us basically. So
0: I think um, I want, I kind of want to end this segment as in if you could say something to your younger self as an older, like as you are now, like what would you say? Yeah. So you can start that. I know that's kind of heavy. Oh gosh.
1: Okay. The first thing I want to say to my younger version of me is like, hi, it's me. (laughs) Surprise. I'm I'm almost 22 and you probably didn't think you would make it this far, but I just wanted to say, like, college is kind of a scam. If you feel <laughs> uncertain, just actually think about it. I I know you wanted to do culinary arts, so just wait until culinary arts is in the community college. Yeah. <laughs> and So you can stay close to home. Mm-hmm. But if you really wanted to step out of the house, because I know it's weird, go for it. You know, don't feel the pressure from... The teachers or the the guidance counselor that said you're too smart for culinary arts that's not for you you should be like a bioengineer don't listen to them also you're pretty you're pretty cool <laughs> yeah i agree and then i disappear yeah. right like i don't <laughs> if i touched my younger self they would probably disappear <laughs> Just, <boom>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how do you say like uh i guess like yeah. i don't know is there what's so it's not it's what's the opposite like Nong. Nong, yeah i was just like uh i don't i don't even know if they can say no ally <laughs> like, i think it's just so he's like Oi, Ali. ally i'd never heard anyone say like nong in someone yeah. else's name like it's just Nong. like yeah that's true. like nong Ali. it's okay <laughs> yeah, that's so cheesy that's something Thai people i know do. i'm just, <laughs> 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 i feel like that's what, I'm like i don't like okay i we can talk about being called a in like later later uh, podcast yeah. I definitely want to touch this uh-huh. so funny um I guess like if you had something to say to your younger self about like not only college but about like how to handle the parental pressure what would you say to that to you
1: oh man I feel like first of all there's no escape don't keep it positive <laughs> but no like, there's, there's no, no positivity but like I okay. just because my younger self can detect bull crap okay 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 like they they would because they had a lot of doubt that's yeah. why they didn't not go to culinary school yeah they could smell the crap a mile away like, yeah because they did get accepted at ncsu but they didn't want to go to ncsu they wanted to do culinary school yeah okay so it's, it is tough. Your parents are going to always expect you to forgive them. Yeah. And you don't really owe them that. You just have to know how to understand why they would want that forgiveness. hmm And it's more complex than that they want you to take care of them when they're older. It's because as a person that has experienced so much life, it's hard for them to want to work for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And because... They've done so much for you. It's really hard for them to understand your perspective. Yeah. And I I had... I know as, like, a younger person, I just had so much, like, resentment. And I still harbor some of that now, but in a more, like, encapsulated way. Yeah. So I would tell my younger self, you don't owe them forgiveness. You shouldn't feel the pressure of it. And if you feel guilt, they they don't know the extent of it so Mm -hmm. it's not something you should weigh down on yourself so much and Mm -hmm. take care of your brother (laughs) oh uh I guess
0: like mine's kind of similar yeah if I had to like talk to my younger self I would probably say that it's this is only like personal to me like because I can say this I don't I wouldn't recommend saying this to anyone else because you don't know their situation but I would tell my younger self like it's gonna be okay eventually like you know like yeah if like i'm also surprised i made it this far like you we're know, uh-huh. 20 we're 21 like stuff like that uh-huh. like <laughs> you're almost 22 like we're almost like that is like young for like people like the the overall because you know like hundreds The yeah. <laughs> yeah like oh, being yeah. old and retired and stuff really but like old, yeah. um
1: <laughs> be brittle. <laughs> i'm gonna be brutal yes. yeah me
0: too i'm just like saying that um <laughs> um i am proud of myself for making it this far and i just wanted to tell my younger self like it's gonna be okay um I just hope that my, like, younger self, I can say, like, you. Like, I guess I can address some form with, like, you. Yeah. Um, if I had to say something directly to you is that, you know, things are going to be tough. Like, things are going to punch you in the face. Mm-hmm. Like, it punched me in mm-hmm. the face because you were me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, it you know, body slammed me. Oh, yeah. Like, it put me in a headlock, chokehold, all that. But yeah. all those obstacles that... I faced and many others face made them into the person they are today. And I think that despite how difficult, I mean, some obstacles were unnecessarily and they didn't do anything to me besides make resentment and hatred. But like, I think that each event that happened in my life formed who I am today. Absolutely. Like yeah. it, the negatives and the positives. And I think
1: yeah.
0: everything was so impactful. I think that um, for like for that specifically is that just keep going you know yeah I would definitely say just keep going I know that things might be hard family wise um in society like not society but in your community like uh there's a lot of pressures to do certain things but you really have to follow your own voice take your initiative don't be afraid to break free from the community and your culture's rules just like if they say that you have to be a part like a certain someone just say no just don't be that person yeah, you know it if, it, if, it, right yeah, if it doesn't feel right if it doesn't feel right to you you don't have to do it like you really don't have That's to do everything anything yeah exactly. just anything you don't have to do what someone says you exactly know? um don't be afraid to stand up to authority if it means that you are saving yourself and right sure like you yourself if they harsh. invaded
1: you yeah you shouldn't be
0: afraid to question that yeah so don't yeah definitely don't be afraid to question things um I definitely think that This is also for parents too. I know we talked a lot about like parent stuff and you might be heated. (laughs) I'm sorry, but we're being as honest as possible. But for parents, please, 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 if you are wanting to figure out what to do with your child, I just want you to know is like, listen to them, even if you don't understand exactly what they're going to. Cause there is uh, gaps in like generational gaps. There's, um, you might not understand the stuff that they're going through. But right. as long as and, and you can
1: find a middle ground. Yeah. In conjunction, yeah. your children can never understand the full extent of what you experience. Exactly. Exactly. It's a mutual um it's a mutual misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. And that should be fine. Mm -hmm. It's their own person. Yeah,
0: it is. They are their own person. It's, I know it's uncomfortable, like, but I think that being able to be comfortable in discomfort, I know that's like a very odd thing to say, but being able to accept that discomfort makes so much more progress in the long run. Exactly. Just being able to sit down with your parents and just talk about these uncomfortable things, like being able to bring stuff up and not be afraid to is just so progressive in the long run and if you are in like a dangerous situation there's no like obligation to do it you know like I -hmm. think definitely seek help if you need it um and just really listen to yourself you know yeah don't listen to anyone else like Mm -hmm. listen to yourself and really take care of yourself so I guess that's the message that we're trying to say to all of our viewers despite if you're a younger generation uh, Laotian or if you're an older generation or if you're quite literally like freshly immigrated or whoever you are, even if you're not Laotian and you're just listening in, I hope that everyone takes care of themselves. Please, 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 especially during the pandemic, um, make sure that you and your family and whoever you're around, whoever you're close with, stay safe and healthy. And remember that you guys matter. Like that's it, you guys <laughs> matter so much. And everyone has a purpose in this world. It's just you have to live to find out. But anything you wanna leave off with Ali?
1: Um No, not really. That was pretty
0: yay yay thank you guys for listening to my first podcast and tune in for every Tuesday um for our next episodes we will also be posting on our like our blog and on the Talkative Laotian page about any updates or any other topics that we want to discuss and of course I'll open a form if there's any topics that need to be discussed by people who are listening and I hope there's people still here (laughs) yeah it doesn't
1: have to be political or anything yeah in fact like the point of the podcast is to represent mm-hmm. um smaller voices in in the Laotian community so it doesn't have to be like controversial shoot you could ask us what our favorite goldfishes are and I'll tell you what exactly no like the point is to make us feel like well-rounded people mm-hmm. exactly like that
0: But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and reaching towards the end. And I hope everybody has a great rest of your year and everybody stays safe. (laughs) Yes, the first and last episode. Yes, first and last episode.
1: Let's go. Have a great year. year. Farewell. Farewell. All right. (laughs) Totemoon, Okay.